Welcome back to Cancer Perspective. Thank you for joining us. We have been exploring topics that are often not discussed. Today, we're going to talk about sexuality and fertility and how that relates to cancer. We'll start with fertility and conception. This topic is often considered first in people who are young and newly diagnosed because you have to consider what type of cancer and treatment that a patient has to go through and what that might do to their ability to conceive children in the future. Certain surgeries for cancer might require removal of organs required for conception. Some may involve only part of the reproductive system. So the topic of fertility and a potential future ability to conceive a child is extremely important to have when considering the whole picture of a person's cancer diagnosis and treatment plan. But also in that same conversation, there is usually a desire to treat the cancer first and urgently, then worry about potential problems after treatment is completed. That is sometimes a fair option, but remember to consider the whole person when making your very traumatic and important decisions. There can be egg harvesting and sperm donations that allow somebody to have additional options down the line. When considering egg harvesting, that usually takes time, effort, and advanced planning in order to harvest eggs, which would then potentially put off cancer treatment. In the case of sperm, there is usually a lot less time requirement in that process, but no less important to consider. When somebody is actively receiving cancer treatment, whether it be radiation, surgery, or systemic therapy, including chemo or hormones or immunotherapy, it is important to avoid conceiving while on treatment. It's that fundamental time when a fetus is developing that is critical to maintain an environment as natural as possible without all the extra drugs or radiation or potential stress that could cause birth defects or the ability for the fetus to develop full term. There are studies that indicate there might be a way to preserve fertility while undergoing treatment. For instance, being placed in chemical menopause can help preserve ovarian and uterine function for some patients. There are people who find out that they have cancer right around the same time they find out that they are pregnant. It is interesting that the hormones that are changing during pregnancy send certain clues to a patient that they actually have breast cancer or some other cancer. And it is possible for a pregnant individual to have systemic therapy or radiation therapy while being pregnant and still safely maintaining a pregnancy. In a previous episode, we explored genetic mutations that you may have been born with that put you at higher risk for cancer and that you may pass on to a child. 
If you're born with a autosomal dominant pathogenic mutation, that's just a very fancy term that says you were born with a higher risk of developing cancer. You have a 50% chance of passing that on to a child should you conceive or have conceived previous to your known cancer. This also may affect your future plans. So that information can be helpful up front as well. Or it might be something that you choose to explore after your cancer treatment is underway. Outside of conception, it is also important to consider sexuality and intimacy and how cancer and cancer treatments can affect a person's level of comfort at expressing intimacy or being intimate with their partner. Fatigue and pain, nausea, and other side effects can affect somebody's ability to desire to be sexually active. Hormones and imbalances in chemicals can affect vaginal dryness and erectile dysfunction. People who have lost their hair may have felt a loss in their sexual identity, the same way with changes to their reproductive and sexual organs, such as changes to breasts or pelvic radiation for something like prostate cancer or gynecological cancers. This topic relates also to our last episode. We brought up the topic of prosthetics and how that may also affect sexual intimacy and function. For example, we discussed the organization Knitted Knockers and Testicular Implants. When we talk about sexual intimacy during treatment, the goal is to make sure there is no planned pregnancy during that time and making arrangements to prevent pregnancy. But then people often have questions whether or not you can be close and intimate with a person going through radiation, whether their partner be exposed to radiation, or chemotherapy, whether their partner be exposed to chemo. The science says that there is a time between receiving chemotherapy and when chemo can be found in bodily fluids. Therefore, the science says you may want to avoid sexual activity within, say, 48 to 72 hours after receiving systemic therapy. With radiation, it's different. As soon as you are out of the radiation room, you are no longer radioactive. There are people who receive radiotherapy internally, and at that time they are separated from people when they are felt to be radioactive. But once they are released, they are safe to be close to people and hold babies and not worry about what they are transmitting. Sexuality and sexual dysfunction involves more than just patient with cancer. It also involves the partner's. This can affect relationships. There are professionals that know how to help with people undergoing issues. It is okay to bring this topic up to your teams. One of the biggest questions is how long will these symptoms that I'm experiencing that are affecting my sexual health remain a problem? Sometimes there are lingering issues that will be lifelong. A person with 
pelvic radiation may experience vaginal stenosis and may require dilators and hormones or alternatives to help be able to have intercourse. Oftentimes, despite the dysfunctions that are present, it is possible to still orgasm. Those conversations can be had with your team as well. Be as honest and open as possible. Ask your questions sooner rather than later. Talk to your partner and share your concerns and hear their concerns. Ask for resources. Ask for therapy. There are some excellent books out there that are also very helpful that explore this topic in great detail. The first one I read is Breaking the Silence on Cancer and Sexuality by Dr. Ann Katz, K-A-T-Z. This particular book is geared towards healthcare providers opening up this topic, but it's easy enough to read for survivors as well. Sexuality After Cancer Treatment, The Guide to Restoring Your Sex Life, is written by an oncology nurse, Judy Neese. A quick search shows that there are other options out there as well. You can find additional resources that explore these topics on my usual and favorite resources, such as the American Cancer Society, or cancer.org, and the National Cancer Institute, or cancer.gov. Sexuality and fertility are sometimes a forgotten conversation in the cancer diagnosis and treatment process. It should be brought up by your providers. It should be discussed how this may affect your fertility if you're of childbearing age and means. It should be brought up if you are at any age to discuss how this might affect sexuality as well but there is nothing that guarantees that these conversations will come up ahead of time. So it's important that your voice is heard. Some teams may assume that you're in your 60s or 70s or 80s and are no longer concerned about your sexuality. On the other spectrum of things, what can be done for maintaining sexual health for everybody, whether they have cancer or not as a whole, is an ever-evolving medical science in itself. The ability to evaluate embryos to see if they have certain genetic mutations that put them at higher risk for cancer potentially could be an option for you. Implanted devices that help with erectile dysfunction or vaginal reconstruction may be an option for you. There is so much to explore about your own unique needs that it often requires you to be the most vocal and knowledgeable about your own needs in this area, which is why we are including this in our episodes about lesser discussed topics. Remember that you are your own best self-advocate. We strongly promote that on Cancer Perspective and make sure that your voice is at least heard. Ask if you have time constraints on treatment. We've mentioned in early episodes that the time from diagnosis to starting treatment often seems like an extremely long time when you're newly diagnosed. 
this is the time that potentially you have to work out these questions to determine if fertility preservation is an option, what kind of dysfunction you may be left with after treatment, and how that affects your personal priorities. Every single individual has unique needs, concerns, and issues associated with their sexuality and their sexual function. Discovering what options you may have is an important part of maintaining a sense of yourself throughout your cancer journey. The first step, again, is education, empowering yourself, and finding your resources. At Cancer Perspective, we hope to open these topics in order for you to discover what you may need, either now or in the future. Thank you for joining us again. Take care and spread kindness.